and welcome to the season one finale of 18 year olds guide to true crime my name is Haruka and I am your host if you have gotten this far thank you for sticking around so let's get on with the case I came upon this case while I was scrolling through Netflix looking for something to watch when I fell upon believe me the abduction of Lisa McFay Lisa McFay was born March 1st 1967 making her a Pisces Pisces women are mysterious and sensual. They also tend to be both romantic and spiritual individuals. Unlike pretty much every other child, Lisa was not born into a loving home. Her mother was an addict, so in hopes of a little girl, she was sent to live in foster care. At age 14, this would end. Lisa was now living with her grandmother and her grandmother's boyfriend, but things would not improve. While living with her grandmother, Lisa would be sexually assaulted by her boyfriend, only for Lisa's family to turn a blind eye, telling the girl she should be grateful and feel lucky because she has a roof over her head and a room to herself. The girl would later find a job at a donut shop, using it as an escape. But that wouldn't be it for Lisa. Finally having enough of her abuse, Lisa wrote a suicide note planning to kill herself after her shift. The case officially begins on November 3rd, 1984. Mina and Lisa were 17 when this case took place. Like normal, Lisa worked a shift at the donut shop, this one being a double. This specific shift ended at around 2am. The 17 year old would take her normal route home on her bike, riding by a church, but this was where her ride home would be cut short because there was someone nearby. A man was sat in his car waiting for anyone to come past. Unfortunately for Lisa, she would be the first person to come past. The man would later be identified as Bobby Joe Long. The man would come up to Lisa from behind and grab her off her bike, blindfolding her and dragging her to his car. The bike would be left at the scene. As anyone would in a situation like this, Lisa began screaming for help but stopped when she felt a gun being pressed to her head, Bobby threatening her by saying, shut up or I'll blow your brains out. Even though she was planning to kill herself, Lisa realised she didn't want to die and complied, doing whatever Bobby wanted her to do. I am going to be pausing the case quickly to talk more about Lisa. Even though her home life wasn't what she deserved, Lisa found comfort and enjoyed crime shows and used the skills she had learnt from things she watched to survive. Anyway, back to the case, Lisa realised the car was a red Dodge Magnum. Even though she was terrified, Lisa would count for minutes as they went, remembering it in case she survived this ordeal, and remembering the direction the car drove in. According to some sources, Lisa was on her period and left DNA in the car, but I could not confirm this. The two of them eventually ended up at Bobby's flat, which was located on the first floor, so to gain access, he and Lisa had to go up stairs which the girl counted storing for number in her mind. While at Long's flat Lisa would be repeatedly raped being blindfolded the whole time. A few hours into the kidnapping Lisa overheard the news on the TV talking about a missing girl. The missing girl being Lisa, Bobby put the gun back to her head and said quote if you scream one more time I'll be forced to put a bullet in your head. Stop crying end quote. Wanting to survive Lisa stayed quiet. Using everything she had learned from crime shows she had watched, she gained the trust of Bobby, eventually leading to him to allow her to go to the bathroom, where she left her fingerprints. 
everywhere. Since she had earned his trust, Bobby let Lisa touch his face, still with her blindfold on. She would remember this and use it later. Bobby would eventually confess to Lisa that he had done this to other women. Lisa asking what his motives for doing this were, which she said was to get back at women. Lisa offered to be Bobby's girlfriend and lie to everyone about how they had met. Lisa also told her kidnapper that her father was severely ill and she was all he had, hoping it would convince him to let her go, which it did. 26 hours later, Bobby would force Lisa to get into his car and asked her where she lived. First, Bobby drove to an ATM, then a gas station, and didn't provide in a car park behind a business that was located near her grandmother's home. Bobby apologised for what he did, letting Lisa out of the car and telling her to wait five minutes before taking off her blindfold. After letting Lisa go, Bobby would go on to kidnap and kill two more women before being arrested. Even though it was only five minutes, it felt like a lifetime before the 17-year-old took off her blindfold. The first thing the girl saw was an oak tree. Thinking back to the events, Lisa said, quote, I'm just frozen, but when I finally take it off, I'm in front of a beautiful oak tree. I think I'm going to have a new life, and it will be better, end quote. Lisa would then start to run to her grandmother's house, to the place she unfortunately called home. Lisa arrived at the home at half 4am, but just because she was home doesn't mean her torture was over. Her grandmother's boyfriend would beat the teen for hours interrogating her about where she had been for the last 26. Lisa's grandmother making no attempts to stop him. Lisa stuck to her story and begged her grandmother and her boyfriend to call for police. Her grandmother doing so in the morning claiming Lisa's story of kidnapping to be fabricated. However, since Lisa was classified as a missing person, per police protocol they had to conduct an investigation. At the closest Tampa police station, Lisa again told the story of her abduction to a female detective that was assigned to her case. But the detective did not believe her story, instead believing she had run away as shown in the film Believe Me for abduction of Lisa McFay. The detective asked Lisa to go over the story again to probably catch Lisa in a lie. Instead, Lisa said no and requested for somebody more intelligent to talk to her. But this wouldn't happen till the next day when Sergeant Larry Pinkerton, the man in charge of sex crimes at the department, listened to Lisa and believed her tale, calling the FBI. Lisa was returned home and a few days later a local news station reported another female body had been found in Tampa Bay area. Lisa saw this and called up Larry, believing that whoever killed this woman was the same one that kidnapped her. Larry would then go on to contact Hillsborough County Sheriff's Office and got in touch with deputies who were investigating for murders. During the investigation, Larry asked Lisa if she would be okay with being hypnotised to see if she could record details of the man who had abducted her. But due to the fact she was a minor, she needed her parents slash carer's permission to do so. And of course, her grandmother's boyfriend said no, which was a red flag to Larry. So he brought it up to Lisa, who broke down and confessed about everything that went on in that house. The police arrested her abuser and moved Lisa into a centre for runaway teens, so she was finally safe for the first time in her life. Over the next few days, the police began to zone in on discovering Bobby Long's identity. Pinkerton showed Lisa photos of several potential suspects, 
their physical attributes being based on Lisa's depiction of Long, McFay unbeknownst to her chose Long's photo. The police also recreated the drive that McFay believed Long had taken before releasing her. By doing this, the police found the ATM that Long had used that night. Their next action was to cross-reference Dodge Magnums that were registered in Florida, using the names that were found in the ATMs. The police had finally found Robert Joseph Long. The police promptly found and arrested Long, but it had been 12 days since Long had released Lisa, which gave Long plenty of time to add more victims to his roster. They were Virginia Lee Johnson, 18, and Kim Marie Swan, 21. As much as Long denied having any connections to the murders, there was one key piece of evidence that linked Long to Lisa and the other murder victims. Red carpet fibres from the inside of his car were found both on the victims' bodies and in McVeigh's clothing. Even though very few people believed her, Lisa did not stray from the story she first told. The fibre proved Lisa was not lying and was in fact telling the truth. Long finally confessed to murdering nine women and raping dozens of others, Lisa being one of them. Before his nine-month murder spree, Lee began robbing and raping women he found through ads throughout Fort Lauderdale, Miami, resulting in him earning the nickname Classified Ad Rapist. In 1981, Long was convicted of rape, but to his luck, the charges were dropped, so two years later, he moved to Tampa Bay, escalated to killing people within a single year. Eventually, Lisa would be too old to live at the teen centre, so she moved in with her aunt and uncle. For the first time in Lisa's life, she was in a loving and supportive home. Over the next couple of years, Lisa would work multiple odd jobs before landing at the Hillsborough County Department of Parks and Recreation. In 1995, while working a shift, Lisa had to report a break-in at one of the faculties with one of the deputies who also worked at the Hillsborough Sheriff's Office. The deputy even telling Lisa that she would make a good cop, saying she had the right attitude. Lisa thought about it but decided against the career change, for now. But Lisa now had a young daughter and did not want to put either of their lives in jeopardy. Four years later, Lisa transferred to the Sheriff's Department, working as a dispatcher. In 2004, Lisa finally decided to become a police officer and put herself through police academy and became a deputy. Today, Lisa McFay Nolan is a master deputy at the Hillsborough County Sheriff's Office and has worked there for 20 years, marrying a co-worker during those years. Alongside being a deputy, Lisa worked as a school resource officer and often talks to students about how to protect themselves. On May the 23rd, 2019, Bobby Joe Long was executed by lethal injection. And that is where I'm going to end episode 13 and season 1 of 18 Year Old's Guide to True Crime. And if you wanted to suggest a case, send a voice message, which you can do via the Anchor website where I host this podcast, or send an email to 18 Year Old's Guide to True Crime at gmail.com. I know I said it in the intro, but I want to thank all of you who have stuck around through all 13 episodes. I'm going to be taking a few months break and coming back fresher than ever for Season 2 of 18 Year's Guide to True Crime.